Hello, and welcome to the Onyx Pathcast. I'm this week's host, Danielle. And with me today, I have the exalted developers for the Abyssals uh, project, Chaz. Hello. And Elliot. Hello. All right. So today, um, I kind of, you know, already said it. Uh, I have these two with me because I am going to interview them about the Abyssals current ongoing Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign. Uh, we're going to talk about development and the Abyssals and who all the sexy death lords are <laughs> and uh, why every Abyssal needs to have an article in front of their name. Um, the whole shebang. So, uh, so let's, um, you know, for people actually, you know, Chaz, Elliot, have y'all been on the Onyx Pathcast before? I have. It's been a little while, uh, but I was on to to play some Exalted Essence a while back. Oh, okay, cool. And Elliot, have you have you been on here before? I I think I might have been back for Sidereals, but uh, my my memory is failing me as it should with Sidereals. Ah, of course, the the crafty Sidereals who steal your memory of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay. Uh, funny story. I uh, we were doing proofing for the Exigence book recently, <laughs> and uh, Mike Cheney, who you know does all of our layout and everything's laying out the book, and he sent me a request. He was like, "Hey, um, is there anything special we need for the uh, character sheet for Exigence?" And I forwarded that question along to the development team and I, for Exigence, the Exigence development team, and said, mm-hmm. "Hey." Um, uh, I know that we need like still and flowing moats, but other than that, is there anything else? And they were like, hey, Daniel, that's Gatimians. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> They're rewriting my reality. They are. They're infectious. They are. So, yeah. Um, I, you know, I never would have thought that this would happen, but apparently becoming an exalted developer means that the exalted like types start to infect your life. Yes, correct. So new ways the abyssals will be infecting your life next time on it. No, sorry. Anyway, uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the development process for abyssals. Um, Chaz, Elliot, you two are not the only two developers, right? Uh, Vance uh, was also a developer on this project. Yes. Yes. Um, all right. So let's let's talk about what it was like to have a three-man team developing a, an Exalted book. So, uh, oh God, where do we even start with this? With um, outline, maybe. <laughs> with what? The outline. Oh, the, the outline. outline. The outline. This was, this was my first, uh, the, the first book where I really got to work on developing the outline. Um, I, I kind of came on a little bit later in the process when I did Pillars of Creation. And so a okay. lot of the outline was already laid out. And so for Abyssals, I jumped in where we kind of already had the chapters set up, but um, how we were filling in that content was still pretty pretty up in the air. Okay. And, and uh, so I got to be a lot more involved in saying, hey, we've got this open field. We've got a model that we follow for these big exalted books. And for Abyssals, what do we want to slot in here? Uh, and so I uh, recall that, that working on the outline, I was like hell-bent on getting it finished. 
because I had locked in my brain that it was due a month before it was actually due to have the outline done. And uh, like day by day, I'm working away at sections and like we're coming up on the end of the month and, and Vance and Elliot are both very blasé about the stuff that isn't ready yet. <laughs> and uh, I, I like a week before the end, I'm like, oh, I, I thought this was due like tomorrow, not next month. And then we, we, we settled into getting the rest of it out. But it meant that I put a lot in uh, pretty quickly early in the, the outlining process and just got um, ideas down on paper that we then spent some more time uh, fleshing out in the extra time we had before the, the outline was ready. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes getting all that stuff done in a panic, um, I've done that before. And then, you know, you're like, the rest of the time that you actually have, you're just like, oh man, this is easy going. So glad that I panic did all the work for myself. <laughs> yep. Cool. So um, are you thinking about Abyssals? This project is kind of interesting because Abyssals have this place in the world of creation as kind of antagonists to creation, but also not. Um, so tell me about the abyssals themselves. Like, what is it like to play one? You want to take that one, Elliot? Sure. Uh, so the whole idea of the abyssals is that you are someone who has made a, a tragic bargain that you were dying 100%. It was, you were about to be snuffed out and this spooky ghost just came and offered you life unending and power and prestige and the ability to like have revenge on everyone who's wronged you and to change the world and all you have to do is basically agree to help end creation like in the fullness of time um and that's something that like the death lords aren't necessarily all trying to do it in the same way or with the same like wholehearted gusto uh, some of them would very much like to rule over the ashes, uh, and others are fine if they just get to like cause some spooky pain along the way, um, and would be perfectly fine if oblivion never happened. Um, but throughout it all, you are this tragic figure. You made this awful choice, and you have you have powers that are often pushing you to do dark things that are often best when you are, you know, bringing death and despair and you have to kind of figure out what to do with that. Um, how to navigate that new, like Baroque, uh, obligation that you have because the, uh, abyssals are fairly unique in terms of the exalted types because they do have this feudal relationship with their death Lords where they are death knights to their liege. Um, so they have a built-in mentor for most of them. They have a built-in social structure. Um, their, their circles are much more obviously like diegetic than they are for other folks. Um, and you're just trying to figure out like how to navigate this awful promise that you've made. And if you even consider it an awful promise, um, and what you do with all this power and whether or not it's actually going to make you happy. Yeah, so it sounds a lot like you're playing in a, you know, you're playing a suffer puppet. Yes. Who has, you know, some really strong anti-hero feels 
right? Like you, you made this kind of bargain knowing full well that the bargain was to eventually destroy the world um, or bring about the destruction of creation. But, you know, there's so many ways that that could go. Well, yeah, I mean, I made that agreement, but that's so far in the future that I hope to be dead by the time that ha comes about. Or I never planned to uphold that part of my bargain. Or, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. Yep. <laughs> like, there's so many ways that you could play that. It's There's true. also an interesting new element we brought to that bargain in third edition, uh, which is kind of fleshing out the chivalry of death. This mm -hmm. is the the code by which the Neverborn uh, want the uh, world to be destroyed. So it's not enough just to drag everything kicking and screaming into oblivion. Uh, Abyssals are supposed to do it with a, a uh, mustache-twirling panache, where they... Uh, highlight the futility of life and the uh, and basically make everyone suffer along with them um, as part of this destruction of of creation. And so, for example, we have one of the Death Lords, uh, the lover uh, clad in the raiment of tears, who is very dedicated to the Neverborn's um, goal to destroy creation, but she's doing it just one soul at a time uh, by basically pushing people through trials and, and breaking them uh, against the futility of, of, and pointlessness of life. Um, so like, you don't have to go like all the way to 11 and let's, let's destroy creation right now, but a, a kind of slow degrading, uh, showing, uh, killing the strong and, and kind of rubbing it in the faces of the weak is, is part of, part of how abyssals and the death lords operate in third edition is i and i haven't i'm gonna make a confession here that is that i haven't read the full manuscript yet um shame shame i know, I know. shame <laughs> i'm so sorry i'm just in, gonna <laughs> in health shaming proclamation yes of course <laughs> despite that uh part of my reason haha my nefarious purpose for not reading it was so that i could ask you questions as an excited person who's excited about this this manuscript reveal that we're getting during the Indiegogo campaign week after week, I can read it with along with all the rest of the fans. So I'm going to ask you a question that I just thought of as you were talking about the way that Death Lords kind of work to bring about the destruction of creation. And, and I know that there's probably a lot of, you know, kind of ego wrapped up into that and a lot of personal uh goals and you know selfish thoughts of how how are we going to do this and then how are we going to get our death knights to do this and we have any death lords that are very much about engineering the end of the end of creation in a very long con a very long con yeah like like try, essentially trying to maneuver everyone on a you know everyone in creation on a giant warboard that eventually leads to the destruction of creation at their own hands. Oh yeah. Um I mean if we're talking about at their own hands, that's probably the that's probably the bishop's bailiwick, right, Chaz? Yeah, I think so. The the bishop would really like it if everyone could just realize that nothing matters and then, you know, just just stop being. That's kind <laughs> of his MO and he's 
you know, really spreading that through dogma and doctrine. So where the lover is making one person really, really sad at a time, uh, the the bishop of the Chalcedony Thurible is, you know, really just out to make the most nihilistic religion that he can manage that's going to pull creation towards its own end. Cool. Can you... Did you say the bishop of the the what? Chalcedony Thurible? Oh, God, please let those be the right words. Please. I'm pretty sure that's how it's pronounced. It's one of those things where, oh, I've never said his name out loud before after 20 years somehow. <laughs> Is it Chalcedony? I don't know. I mean, it's C-H, so. Yeah, but I think it's like. Is I think this going to be autothon all over again? It's a type of crystal, right? Yeah. Yes. The internet is telling me it's chalcedony. Oh, okay. Oh, no. There we go. Or chalced. It's like S-E-D in it is the, the C-E-D part, like cal and then said is like the, the emphasis. Mm-hmm. It looks and like then, the emphasis can be on the first or second syllable. Okay. So chalcedony is... Yeah, so that is a, a weird, apparently the pronunciation of that. There we go. And this is why we just call him the bishop. Yeah, right? The bishop of the confusing thurible is, is his new name. I'm going to go in. I'm going to change the manuscript. I'm going to sneak in. <laughs> I'm retroactively making this podcast correct. <laughs> Interesting. Bold choice. <laughs> I was oh. kind of the other Death Lord who who's kind of doing a long con, but not quite to uh, destroy creation directly, but to to drag all of it into his Empire of the Dead mm-hmm. is the Silver Prince. Ah, uh, the yes. Silver Prince is uh, also called the Bodhisattva anointed by Dark Waters, uh, and is the overlord of Skullstone, which is an island archipelago. Uh, to be redundant. Um, (laughs) that is also a Shadowland, um, so it's halfway between creation and the underworld, and it's ruled over by, uh, an aristocracy of ghosts. And, uh, what the Silver Prince does is he ties his neighbors into his, uh, empire of trade, and then offers them favors, uh, and then when bad times come, offers them deals that they can pay back later, uh, and then kind of slowly erodes their um, independence. It's a very, very much a commentary on uh, economic imperialism, um, and finally uh, annexes uh, the his neighbors into his uh, slowly growing uh, empire of of the dead. So while this definitely uh, plays to the chivalry of death uh, and is therefore technically fulfilling the uh, Silver Prince's vows, it is not um, directly leading to creation's destruction um, in in that it's not leading to annihilation as much as just uh, subsuming um, the living uh, into the world of the dead. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Kind of really like that uh, because it's a really... A, like a social machination. He's going uh, for cultural victory. Right, right. Yes, exactly. Which is my favorite victory, by the way. Um, so I, yeah, big, big love for that. <laughs> um, 
So here's some um, some questions about the crowdfunder itself. We have hit the first part of the manuscript. People have already get, had a chance to read it, um, which if I am correct, it is the chap- the introduction and chapters one and two. Um, on Monday, we will get uh, chapter three. So uh, what are you looking forward to people getting a chance to see that they haven't seen yet in this campaign? Give us a little sneak peek of something that people are going to get a look at that they're, you think they're going to be excited about. So chapter three that they're going to get a look at soon is the chapter where we're really starting to delve into the underworld. Um, and it was a very exciting challenge to try and give it kind of the playability glow up that we gave Yushan back with Sidereals. The underworlds in previous editions had um, were, were really treated as like a dark reflection of creation. So everything kind of had its underworld equivalent. Um, and we really wanted to do something that was going to open it up and make it feel weirder, make it fo- feel more like playable and more uh, like moldable. Um, and I, I want to say, Chaz, were you the one who who kind of changed our way of thinking at it? It's it's not a mirror; it's an echo. Yes, that was my my wording. Ooh. So now, like, we have lots of weird little afterlives because we focused on making um, the underworld is now a, a land of many dark waters and little islands and bogs and rivers and all sorts of weird, evil fluids. Um, and so we're going to get to see some of the cool places that ghosts can end up when they die whether they are there are some that are like primeval afterlives which are just things that happen like sometimes if you are uh if, if you die in a lightning strike you end up in this weird lightning strike afterlife mm. um and then sometimes some of them are cultural so they're actually like shaped by the gravity of the cultures that have you know, kind of lived and thought about death and venerated their ancestors. Uh, And sometimes you get really weird mixes between the two. Um, The writers, we gave them a charge to come up with new, weird, interesting, playable stuff. And all of them for that chapter absolutely brought their A-game and just delivered some really just very fun places that I can't wait for people to get a look at because every time that I read them, it just makes me want to run games, even in places where we only get like a paragraph to like tantalize you about, Ooh, this is a city that is like hanging from the underside of the underworld, like a chandelier. Uh, Mm. And I want to go there. I want to do a whole game with that one. So yeah, that sounds really cool. And Chaz, do you have something that you are excited for people to see? Oh boy, uh, I'm really excited with the this incarnation of Abyssal Charms. In okay. uh, one of the things that that we really wanted to do was make Abyssal Charms interesting and unique uh, for each ability. Um, okay. One of the uh, kind of things about Abyssal Charms is that they're often dark reflections of the Solar Exalted. You don't want and... to make them just 
this is a solar charm, but dark. Yeah, this is a solar charm with dark eyeliner. We wanted, yeah. we wanted to, we wanted to do a little bit more than that. So there, there. If you want to be your solar with dark eyeliner, like that is a very cool thing, and that is still uh, present in the, the charm set. There's a lot of of kind of cool reflections of the solar charms. Um, but we also said the abyssals have been so changed by the the way their their heroic essence has been inverted making them death's lawgivers and the way that the death lords have have twisted uh what it what it is to be a hero uh into their their incarnation as abyssals that we wanted to reflect that in the charm set so for each ability we picked a handful of death lords and we said uh, for this ability, so for example, craft is the one that that I I did a lot of the writing for. We said the craft charms are inspired by uh, the lover clad in the raiment of tears, um, and also by the eye and seven despairs. And so we look at the themes for those death lords, uh, kind of the the lover's allure and and promise of despair, and uh, so we created some charms that are about. Uh, creating a work of art that is captivating uh, and and can instill nihilism in people who 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 look at it, um, uh, creating a, a crafted item that has a, a compulsion on it that is going to make people jealous of you and like start a blood feud over this this uh, gift that you've given. Um, and then on the side of of like the Iron Seven Despairs, we have this whole element of him being like. Uh, an arms dealer for untested necromancy. Um, Very cool. And and so there's there's other dangerous curses that that you can weave into your crafted item. So it's not just how do we how do we show abyssals being uh, the excellent reflections of solars, but also what unique uh, twist can we give each ability uh, through this lens of the death lords? And then kind of the final design element there was. Uh, abyssals have an apocalyptic ability. They get to pick one ability where they ignore the essence prerequisite. So at character creation, you can get their most powerful charms for one ability. And so one of the design goals was we said for every ability, there should be a handful of charms that someone is going to look at and say, oh, I'm picking this ability as my apocalyptic ability, so I can start with this. Uh, so there's a lot of of really cool uh, pinnacle charms um, across the the charm trees. Um, right. One of my so, favorites. Oh, go ahead. Right. So and and make me make sure I understand that correctly. They are they're you know essence five four or five charms, but they're not the top of a charm tree so much as a standalone charm that you could pick up, or you only need like a prerequisite of like a you know, a previous Essence 1 charm. So something you could pick up at Essence 1, you don't need a bunch of other charm prerequisites for. So you you do still have to work through the charm prerequisites, but we did focus on making sure that the trees aren't too deep. So mm -hmm. from among your 15 starting charms, if you wanted to really invest in something, um, you, you're probably looking at, Oh gosh, I don't want to give give specific numbers, but it's not going to be like all of your charms to get to to the pinnacle charm. And the okay. point is, there's a lot of cool stuff along the way as well. We didn't want to have any like dead dead speed bump picks in the the charm trees. But more importantly, you can get your essence five charm with just essence one. That's what I meant. Yes, yes. yes. Essentially, yeah. you don't have to work through a a higher essence charm tree to get to a, an essence five charm. It's more like a, 
here's all these essence one charms you need to pick up this essence five charm. Uh, no, not not quite, uh, because you get to ignore um, the essence requirements for the entire tree. Oh. So, so, so what we're saying is, if you're if you're a supernal medicine character, you can get every medicine charm right out of the gate if that's what you want to invest in for ah, your character. Okay, so it, I see it, what you're saying. That's what. Yeah, yeah that's why I wanted clarification on that. Yep, it unlocks high power or like high tier powers for starting characters, but you only get one uh, ability in that sense. So you can you could pick medicine, you could put pick uh, melee, you could pick sail, sure. um, and and we want to have a, a juicy goal that you could work towards with any of those apocalyptic abilities. Very cool. Okay. What's your apocalyptic? What's your apocalyptic ability, Chaz? <laughs> That's oh, true. Oh boy. My my personally, my apocalyptic ability, or, or what would I pick for an abyssal? <laughs> <laughs> Both. Either or, yeah. Um, oh boy, I, I I don't know personally what is my apocalypse. Maybe is is uh, sitting in meetings where I understand what everybody else is saying when they're talking past <laughs> each other. So bureaucracy. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would be bureaucracy. Um, I, and I, I I actually haven't uh made any i guess the the one abyssal that i played was was pretty heavily invested in melee uh so that would be that would be the apocalyptic ability that that he would have taken if that was a thing back in first edition when i played him elliot what would be your apocalyptic ability i mean i feel like i would probably like lore has some fun stuff in it or a cult because I am that guy who always plays a caster, even in exalted. Um, <laughs> but I, I also do feel like sale is just a very fun one, but that uh, as Chaz did craft, I did sale and it was fun to try and figure out how to get some wonderful flavor from our, our friend, the silver prince into it. Cool. Um, I think if I had to personally pick an apocalyptic ability for for Danielle, for D, uh, it would be socialize. Um, That would be, I think, where I have all of my points spent. Um, But if I had to pick it on a character, it would probably be melee. Valid. Cool. Uh, that killed the conversation. (laughs) Apocalyptic abilities do, baby. (laughs) Kill us so much. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, some of your stretch goals. So we have, um, yes, we are recording this before the, the launch of this thing, but I can safely say that we have, we funded, um, (laughs) at this point. Um, it is an exalted project after all. So, uh, let's talk about some of the interesting stretch goals that might be coming up. Um, I know that we have, uh, you know, we have a map of the underworld that you have as a stretch goal, which sounds super cool. Yeah. I'm really Um, excited about that. Um, and of course we have the, you know, supplemental, companion PDF that we are starting to work on and adding stuff to that, which, you know, with new underworld locations and of course, new charms. Uh, What are some of the things coming up that are going to go into that book that you think people will be excited about? And don't go too far because, you know, we never know how funding is going to go. 
Um, so maybe don't go above like 90K. <laughs> okay. I'm really excited about the expanded section on ghosts that's coming up. Uh, ghosts are kind of weird and neat in, in Exalted. Um, and getting a, a larger section to really explore ideas about ghosts and how they develop, uh, I think is, is going to be a, a good addition to kind of fill in some, some breath uh, to the populace of the underworld. Very cool. Uh, I think th I think we're just going to ask one of you because we don't want to reveal too many of the stretch goals before we get there. Um, I am also excited to see more information about ghosts because the more I learn about ghosts and exalted, the more interested I am in the concept of ghosts and exalted because I think it's a really interesting different different things cause different ghosts and different ghosts have different kind of motifs it's it's very interesting to me so i think having some expanded you know guidelines to talk about like not just the lore behind it but also like how do i how do i use these in my game how do i how do i make a ghosty friend as my companion as you know my abyssal wandering around <laughs> um you know things like that sound fun to me and another side of that is, uh, like, the weird twisted ghosts side, because, like, the, the, the Neverborn, who are behind the Abyssal's power and, and the Death Lords, uh, their influence twists and changes the underworld. Um, and so there are ghosts who follow that path, and they're kind of scattered across um, Exalted. One of my personal favorites uh, that appeared in 100 Devil's Night Parade is the Rantai, uh, mm -hmm. which is... <laughs> A, a mass of, of chains that, that absorbs additional ghosts into its ghost body. Um, mm. and so I would just, have never guessed you liked that one, Chaz. What? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so uh, just being able to expand on uh, some of the weirder side of, of twisted undead spirits, uh, I think will be fun as well. The Rantai throne was your idea, right? Yes, it was. Um, I I wanted to have a, a battle throne in in uh, Abyssals in part to show like a, a, a rad assisted mobility device, um, and then I was like, how how do I make this necromantic? Um, and so it actually the the having the battle throne was was one of the things that I put in there, and it was it was actually John who came up with the idea that it was a rantai. Um, and and uh, basically some necromancer who was uh, dying on the field of battle seized this rantai that was coming to eat eat its soul and um, forged it into a, a, a chair. Um, so you've got this throne of coiled chain um, that has chain legs that, that like wander around and it, it um, attacks, uh, attacks people. Um, it, it, so, that was a lot of fun. So, so that's actually I, like I love that art piece. Um, oh, the so art good. came out so good. That that art piece on the Indiegogo, like I when I saw that art, I was like, "Oh my god, this is so cool!" And now knowing that 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 chair that you know changed throne is actually a like fucked up ghost is even better. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Like that's so cool. It is, and that piece of art really did come out amazing. Like sometimes you send off 
you know, things where you're like, oh, this one's going to be a challenge. I don't, I don't really know what the artist is going to come up with that, but they, they nailed that one. They knocked oh, it yeah. out of the park. Yep, yeah. I it, love it, every part of it. Oh yeah. It's, it's amazing. Cool. So some other things that we can talk about for abyssals. Um, who is your favorite death Lord? <laughs> I love the sing song for the Death Lords. Um, <laughs> who is your favorite Death Lord? I I think I don't know why because I don't like him and I don't want to. I don't like them. I don't want to spend time with them. But there is something about the eye that is very compelling to me. Uh, the author who who kind of helped with who kind of managed the glow up on the eye for this time around uh, just just made them this wonderfully weird little goblin. And I, I don't know. There's, there's a pathos to them as they shamble around their terrifying house, uh, occasionally getting into manic moods where they produce apocalyptic weaponry. Uh, all right. That sounds kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've always loved the Black Heron. Even before I was the president of Birds, I liked the Black Heron. Um, uh, she's also called the Princess Mag Magnificent, with uh, lips of coral and robes of black feathers, um, which is just the most ostentatious of the Death Lord names. And is she's it is it though? Because we have the Dowager of the Irreverent Vulgate and Unrent Veils. Mm. Which yeah, is a little fucking ostentatious. <laughs> it it is, it is. But she only has the one name, and the Black Heron has two. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, not not that I would say that to the Dowager's face. Um, but uh, one of the things that we did with the Death Lords for this edition was we shifted the relationship between Death Lord and Abyssal. Um, to say that each Death Lord recognizes that the Abyssals uh, who who have sworn their bargain um, with that Death Lord are valuable assets. And so while the Death Lords are, are kind of all like weird, terrible ghost monsters, um, they also want like care about your interests and want to keep you happy um, because that's that's part of how they keep you in their service. Um, and so one of the things that we did was say, let's make sure that each of these Death Lords will be an interesting and playable liege. And so uh, in the past editions, the Black Heron was kind of bound in service to the First and Forsaken Lion and only had one Death, uh, death Knight of her own. Um, so she was kind of an unusual pick. And, and we've shifted that. She's now uh, this social mover and shaker in Stygia which is the, the giant central city uh, of the underworld, uh, where she is a master of the ghostly courts um, and a, a, an assassin, personally. Um, she also has some absolutely delightful art uh, in, the, in the campaign. Um, so she's, she's always been one of my favorites. So <clears throat> have, having, you know, just... The tiniest inkling of the different death knights or death lords. Sorry, not death knights. There's so many of those. Um, so much death. So much death. Death, blood, darkness, you know, yeah. very thematic here. 
Actually, based on your description of what the Silver Prince is doing, probably now my favorite. That's fair. I can see pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's probably one of the better bosses to work for. Uh, it it feels like it too, yeah. Because he's less like, hey, go murder everything, and instead, hey, go dupe people into joining my legion and empire. Yeah. Which is still kind of a nefarious project, but I, I don't know, seems less bleak. <laughs> Valid. Who do you think gives the best pep talk, Chaz? Ooh. I bet the insight that the lover has into the human psyche and condition means that if she really needs to, she can probably turn that turn that around and manipulate you into having a really good pep talk. Okay. She's going to gaslight girl boss her way right into uh, a productive <laughs> employee if needed. Yeah. You, you know, I, one of the things that, that I think is, uh, this is kind of a mechanical philosophical thing about uh, Exalted and, and also other games that use similar attributes, it is a point that I like to make is that your therapist probably rolls manipulation um, when, they are, <laughs> when they are giving you a therapy session. Absolutely. Um, manipulation is not evil socialize. It is socialized finesse. Um, yes. <laughs> and so having, having that um, can be very good for a, for a pep talk. Agreed. Um, you know, I personally think the Walker in dark darkness gives amazing pep talks. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, no, I feel like he's going to be, I feel like he's going to have a good team culture. Yeah. Um, but he's not going to be like mandatory fun about it. Yeah, no, no. Like they has a job to do and everybody has a job to do and we're going to, we're going to get it done and we're just going to, you know, we're all going to buckle down together and do it. <sighs> <laughs> I think that's the kind of pep talk he's giving. I think the Mask of Winters is probably one of those bosses who's like uh, in between being a good boss and a bad boss uh, because um, the Mask of Winters is going to give you a lot of range to implement the project the way that that you want to do it. But I think he's a boss who has too many plates in the air uh, and so is maybe not going to give you the time and attention that that you really want uh, to accomplish your goals. Um because he has too many direct reports. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like the Mask of Winters is the boss that, like, you can e you either thrive or wither under because you're, you're either you're a self-driven person and therefore you just go out and do the things that you think need doing and he's like, cool, you you're not fucking up, so I'm not going to pay attention to you. But if you're not that kind of person and you do fuck up, then he's just like, I, I don't have time for you. <laughs> Valid. Yep. I feel like the bishop is probably the one who has like the most mandatory fun elements uh, just because he knows that they're going to be as soul crushing as he wants things to be. Is he yep. the one who's throwing a pizza party to increase morale? <laughs> oh, yeah. Except, of course, he doesn't want to increase morale, but that's a <laughs> lie that he's telling anyway. So, yes, the, right. he, the pizza party will continue until morale improves. <laughs> right. Or We're until you throw yourself into, into the void. Yep. Uh, okay. So, last little bit here that I want to talk about is the... We've talked a little bit about some of your design decisions on Abyssals and 
you know, what you've done to kind of make it, I, I think in a lot of ways, make all the elements of being an Abyssal more playable as its own game, where you're a circle of Abyssals, maybe all working for the same Death Lord, all working towards the same goal. You know, it sounds like you could set an entire game in the Underworld um, and have a load of fun there. Uh, it sounds like, you know, you could be doing missions to creation to do certain things. Um, but you've made that kind of its own setting, its own feeling, its own game within the world of creation and within Exalted, which I love, honestly, because just like I feel like Sidereals, right? You've got this whole Yushan element. You've got this whole like Sidereals are doing sidereal things and you know yeah they may need to go to creation to do some things and you may play a whole game in creation uh but you don't need um you don't need to hinge on everything that uh, the solars are doing or the dragon blood are doing or the lunars are doing whatever um you've got your own game going on uh and i really like that for abyssals especially because they can be antagonists for the other exalted types. Um, so keeping that 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 concept in mind that the abyssals could be antagonists for other abyss uh, exalted types, what are some of your like kind of design slash development thoughts on how if I'm play you know, if I have a long running game going on already and somebody, you know, but now I'm picking up this book that I could turn this material into either setting material for my current game or antagonist for my current game. Elliot, do you want to take a first stab at that? Okay, so so big question here. Um, in terms of like getting this book, integrating it into existing chronicles, I mean, it opens up the whole of the underworld to that. Um, but it also is something that I think there's a built-in plot hook that can come from Abyssals, which is Abyssal Exaltation saves a mortal from death. And that's one of those things where if you are in a long-running Exalted Chronicle, chances are very good that literally every single character has their own like subcast of characters of mortals who matter to them either as rivals or lovers or family or friends and yep. all those intimacies yep which you've been building over time yeah yeah all those all those intimacies and you are an exalt so your adventures are almost certainly putting them in danger or at least putting a target on their back and then what happens when one of them actually does die and what happens when they die and then they don't die. Uh, oh, and they come back as an abyssal. Yeah. Bound to a death lord. You know, like, did you try and save them hard enough? Are they, are, how are they reconciling what they know about the world and being an exalt versus like what they're being told now? And you get this whole, like, I feel like this edition really tries to make it so you as a circle probably could actually go into the underworld and follow up on that contact and like be embroiled in the politics and meet a death Lord face to face and not have it be automatically a boss fight. Um, 
because they just get to the the take is a little bit more nuanced that we've been able to do because of the groundwork that previous editions have laid for us. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's a lot that you could do from that angle. I think there's a lot of ways for abyssals and the underworld to creep into any chronicle. Yeah, de- the Death Lord plot can always come come shake up a campaign. Oh yeah, I you know that's really exciting for me because I I mean I love I okay I love spooky shit so I love you know I I love our goth solars our abyssals um I I love the you know the spooky exalt type um and I love the the concepts and the games that you can put them in but I'm also not necessarily always a player who wants the the suffer puppet role play who always wants the like you know oh the yearning for my life and my family that's left behind or you know how do i get out of this terrible deal i've made or you know oh the death lord is asking me to murder an entire village again what was <laughs> me um you know i'm not always into that so having the ability to explore the underworld and explore their setting from an external viewpoint and have that aspects into a game without having to play through the the darker side of that is a great like it's it's great uh it for a lot of reasons well and i i think it is important to to note that like while abyssals can definitely fall into that suffer puppet role that they don't have to the the only thing that's that's true about about them being an abyssal is that they have to have died um and 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 accepted that bargain uh, so some abyssals may delight in, in the power that they have, and and oh yeah, they also have to uh, destroy the world. But like that, that'll take time. Um, so you you can there are, are definitely um, definitely other paths to play uh, for the abyssals than than just the uh, angsty uh, 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 goth path. Um, so I, I don't want I don't want people to to get the conception that that's the only way to play abyssals. Like there's a, there's a lot of range in the Death Lords that that we've presented this edition and the uh, the way that that you can play through the setting. Yeah, um, I I so and that's you know good correction. Um, I also want to say okay. Walk me through, I know we haven't gotten to the character creation chapter yet. I don't think so. Uh, I think that's yeah, fine. We have not. Yeah, that's, that's way in the future. Um, it's like next week. So what is it like to become a death knight in Abyssal? To, like, I understand I have to be on the brink of death. I have to be dying. I have to make this packed with a spooky devil. Uh, sorry, spooky ghost man, person, woman, individual, NB, whatever it is that comes <laughs> to me. <laughs> There's so many varieties. Um, I make a pact. I agree. Sure, I'm going to do this thing, but I'm going to get l- life and power out of it. But what is that? Once I make that deal, what is that change like? What is that exaltation like? You want me to take that one, Elliot? I... What what's it like to suddenly become a spooky gothic demigod? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so there is this. There there's a thing in uh, third edition called essence fever, and it is 
uh, kind of an in-character explanation for why your character is driven to go out and test their new powers. And it is just that like that moment of exaltation fills you up with meaning. It matters. It's something that's obviously transformative in profound ways. So Essence Fever for the Abyssals usually is like calling on them to go out there to figure out what uh, they're going to make out of the chivalry of death, how they want to like go forth. Are they going to be like slaughtering indiscriminately? Are they going to be punishing the wicked? Are they going to be like shepherding the souls of the dead, either through tyranny or enlightenment? Like whatever they're going to be doing, like essence fever is out there pushing them to take those first steps. Um, Cause they, they have, power they can affect real change like even right out of character creation being an abyssal is a trip because it means that you are you are a power player on a game board where most of the other power players have been at it for millennia or centuries uh and all of a sudden here you are you're like 19 you Mm -hmm. you just flunked out of college because you died and now you are the boss of ghost birds. Um, so. Boss of ghost birds. <laughs> Good job. That's what happens when you die, Chaz. <laughs> yeah. You'll go from being the president of birds to being the boss of ghost birds. Yeah. I, I know what's coming at, for me. I was looking at Chaz's avatar and I was just like, in my head, it was like president of birds just kept playing in my head over and over. amazing all right well we are running out of time so do you have any last things you would like to say or reveal or talk about um for the abyssals campaign so honestly i think my big thing is just making sure that we're really thanking the writers who delivered some excellent and amazing work through the entire manuscript like we had a really great team of folks who were on this one and we asked a whole lot of them um in terms of turning in interesting mechanics pulling out the flavor of the death lords reimagining parts of the underworld uh giving necromancy a a a big glow up moment and they all delivered they're amazing folks uh okay and you, Chaz? Well, it, it's kind of hard to follow that. Uh, I know. But <laughs> I, I want to, I guess it, it leads into the writing. We haven't really talked about the quick characters that, that appear or are going to appear in, in the later chapters. Um, so, so look forward to that. But uh, a couple of, of favorites uh, of mine are we get a, a fully statted Death Lord um, in, in, in the book. Uh, so that, that'll be coming up soon. And uh, we have an undead behemoth. Uh, so if you're a, a powerful necromancer and want to summon terrible griblies, we've, we've got one for you there. Um, or just a ruinous uh, threat for a, for a high power circle of exalted. So, so some, some really neat uh, quick characters that, that, that our writers uh, gave us in, um, in making the book. We asked the writers to deliver a, a Death Lord uh, boss fight who is boss fight capable because that's not the only way you could do it anymore. And uh, yeah. <laughs> good, good. 
I'm hoping we get a bunch of Death Lords in the companion book. I know one of the one of the premium rewards that backers can pick is to to choose a Death Lord to add. So I'm I'm hoping we get a whole bunch of those. Um, I, I'm excited yeah. about that. Yeah. Yes. I uh, yes. Please, someone, come forth. Bring. Uh, oh, I was about to say which one I wanted them to pick, and that means they'll know which one it's not. So no, I'm not going to tell you which, uh-huh. which Death Lord I want. <laughs> someone to pick uh i'm not going to put that that out there into the universe all right well if they haven't back if that is still available at this point please pick it (laughs) yes one of you yeah more death lords definitely fun (laughs) yes all right cool so if folks want to talk to you about the uh abyssals the campaign so on so forth where can people find you I am on the Exalted Fancord and on the Onyx Path Discord and on a number of podcast discords out in the wild. Um, I, I do invite people to at me if you want to talk me, to me specifically. Uh, do so responsibly and politely. I might not respond right away, but I, but I will come to it. I, I have a hard time uh, keeping up with all of the awesome Exalted conversation out there uh, and do like being pulled into it on occasion. If you want to follow me and see what else I'm doing, um, my social media presence has kind of consolidated on Blue Sky, where I am at President of Birds. Oh, so mostly the same deal for me as Chaz. Uh, you can find me on the Onyx Path official Discord or the Exalted Fan Discord. Um, if you've got a question that you want to ask, um, I, no promises, but let me know. Uh, and. I am not yet really set up on Blue Sky. I need to. So that that's mm-hmm. what I'm going to go do now. <laughs> uh, and as always, I am pretty much only in Discord nowadays. Um, I do have a Blue Sky account uh, and I have a Tumblr. Uh, pretty much everywhere outside of Discord, I am at Impernius. In Discord, I'm, I go by my name in the Onyx Path Discord, which is where you're probably going to find me. I think in the Exalted Discord, I'm still old magmatids. Uh, so now, <laughs> you can chat me there. <laughs> there. There's some deep lore. Not, yes, actually, there is some deep lore behind that. <laughs> so you can ask me about it. <laughs> so, all right, well then uh oh yes i'm supposed to say a thing which is as always many worlds one path cast one path cast <laughs> <laughs>